Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church Podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Uh, It is exciting to be here. Uh, I want to speak to you about hope today. We just came out of the Convoy of Hope. And uh, I want to say, first of all, how impressed I am with just uh, the church here. Uh, I've met parents that are in visiting. Uh, You can be proud of your kids. I've been to Convoy of Hope events. I've I've been to World Hope events overseas. Uh, We've done Convoy of Hope in uh, Kansas City. Uh, The man who was leading Convoy of Hope here, Steve Pulis. Steve was in my youth group back in uh, 1984 to 1987. His dad, Al, was pastored about 15 miles south of us at a church, and they really, only church only ran 15, 20 people. And so Steve didn't have anywhere to go, so uh, Steve uh, was involved with our youth group and always with our group in uh, camp and all. Uh, just a great kid, and it was exciting to see him connect. So that would have been before Ashley was even born that uh, Steve was in the youth group. And uh, <clears throat> to see them connect here and uh, work together on uh, this event. Uh, but uh, Elijah, I know you put in a lot of work as a pastor. I know what it is to be the pastor. But uh, I also want to call out a lot of other people, Lauren and Ashley. Uh, that was the most organized event I've seen, and I heard that uh, comments from everybody. And uh, those, how many were wearing red shirts yesterday as team leaders? Get on a red shirt. Stand up a minute. I know a lot are outside still working and different things. You know, the Bible says, uh, don't let anybody look down on your youth. <laughs> uh, these were all young leaders. And, you know, uh, I heard comments. There were 45 churches there, I believe is what I, uh, Steve told me. Uh, and they were all commenting that they had never seen such an organized event. Young people who would take charge, tell everybody what to do with a kind attitude. But that they knew what they needed to do and what needed to happen. And uh, they made it happen. And I think there was uh, a little bit over 3,600 people who were registered. 2,500 that went through, 2,600 for prayer. Uh, and I could read the whole list that Steve sent to me, statistics last night. Uh, 160 who gave their hearts to the Lord. You know, someone said, well, we might have had more people if it hadn't have been so stormy through the week and then also with the cool weather and the wind. And I know it really picked up after lunchtime, you know, the early. See, we look at that and we're always talking about numbers. Do you know statistics? don't mean a lot to God because he always cares about the one. Uh, yeah, he had events, feeding of the 5,000. There was crowds, always came to see him. But he was always interested in the one. You know, whether it's one out of uh, 100 of the sheep that were lost, one out of 10 coins, one of the two sons. God always cares about the one. See, he cares about each one of us individually. He cares about you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life, and he cares about you. And he wants us to give hope to each one. See, 160 people whose lives were changed yesterday. I want to read to you a verse here, and it's in uh, 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. And I've been having a chance to listen to the sermon series I usually always get to. Sometimes we we get to on Sunday mornings. Uh, Last week... Uh, I was trying to listen to it. Uh, uh, we started driving the bus at about 9.30, so I got to hear worship. And uh, we pick up kids uh, on uh, Sunday mornings in neighborhoods just like Hunting Park, where they are. 
And we put buses down through the streets, just like all of these one-way streets. And it's absolutely horrible, especially whenever it snows and everything there to, to try to get through. And, uh, you know, I've realized, you know, it's kind of like some people treat God's word and God's commandments. That white line they're supposed to park inside, that's just a suggestion, they think. You know, it's a, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. And people just stop in the middle of the streets, turn your flashers. It's like, that's okay. I, I own this street. You know, I can just kind of block it here. And so we kind of deal with that, too. And we'll pick up uh, kids and travel all around in the, in the city up there picking up those kids and last week I was watching as uh, Elijah was doing a series for Easter and I got to go through worship well some of the kids started getting on the bus and somebody correct me afterwards says you shouldn't be watching uh, on your phone whenever you're driving the bus okay well I, I've always said I could drive in my sleep I used to drive trucks over the road and everything so half time I think I did that's the reason I always worry people drive alongside of a big truck I'm like no get around them because half time they are asleep you'd be amazed at uh, what's going on just get around them and get <laughs> get done in there but uh, the kids all took my phone because they wanted to, uh, I think Namar and Lily were doing worship. They wanted to hear worship, and then they kind of kept it through Elijah's message. So I didn't actually get to hear anything. They kind of had it back in the bus as other kids getting on, but they got to hear it and everything. Normally we do an afternoon service about 3 o'clock, but we did an early one because of Easter Sunday. We used one of the community centers and picked up some more kids, parents, different things who came. And so he's been talking about that, of that God's not mad. I want you to know God is not mad at you, but I do believe God sometimes is frustrated with his church. I pastored for 30 years. I'd like to think it was a great church, high-impact church. You know, we measured by that uh, what kind of impact were we having on the city, what were we doing. Not, it wasn't our seating capacity, it was our sending capacity. What could we do? I think there's about 35 uh, uh, pastors or uh, missionaries who've gone out of the church, and uh, that was always my biggest thing was uh, you need to be discipling and training everybody. You don't know what they're called to do, and your job isn't to try to hold on to people. It's just to send people. You know, it's God's job to build his church. It never was my job. It was my job to disciple and build people, but it wasn't ever my job. People, it's not my job to build the church. But when I left back in 2009, I resigned. I, I felt like God was calling me to something different, even to pastor a city and to try to bring a city together. See, Kansas City is called the most divided city. Here you have between New Jersey and Pennsylvania, you have a river, so it's clearly defined where it ends at. In Kansas City, you've got the Kansas side, west, Missouri side, east, and nobody quite knows what really divides them except this imaginary state line. But it was a big divide because during the Civil War, you had the Confederacy in the Missouri, and uh, you had the Union in, uh, in Kansas was the last free state came in. And so you had these great battles that went on, some of the greatest battles of the Civil War, up and down this state line so-called in there. And there's still a, a, a anger and an underlying kind of truth there between these, uh, these two states, and sometimes between counties. The county I pastored in, Johnson County, is one of the nicer, more wealthy counties in, in America. Next to it sits Wyandotte County, which is the poorest county in, Missouri, uh, in Kansas and one of the poorest ones around. And you had all these things that divided, and, and you know, they, they said that uh, Kansas City Forbes uh, recorded in 2009 as the most uh, abandoned city uh, in the inner part because of all the abandoned homes, more so than Detroit, more so than Chicago. And so the government has been putting in people into these homes for two years, refugees, and uh, I mean, and they tell them you've got two years and to make something of yourself, and if you uh, don't, then we're going to send you back. They never ever check or anything like that, and, but most of them are great quality people. I mean, friends, we've been busy with helping uh, uh, develop and train church leaders and, and plant churches and, 
And uh, we started this in our church. We used to joke that we didn't need ushers. We needed traffic cops. We had a smaller hallway, but uh, we would do uh, two early services. Uh, we would do the, uh, the Spanish church would come in right after us. Uh, we'd do the Chinese church. Uh, we'd do a Brazilian church. We did a Korean church. Uh, I mean, it just was all day long. People used to say, man, you need to slow down. Take care of the building. You need the building. You need to have a day off. I said, buildings don't go to heaven. Anything that doesn't go to heaven doesn't need a Sabbath, okay? <laughs> Let's just use it all the time. People need a Sabbath. But buildings don't need a Sabbath. If, you, if we wear it out, we'll build another one. It's a big deal. Because people are the only thing that matter to God. And in the midst of those, the last 10 years since I left that church, I've been traveling around and, and kind of looking and, and doing a lot of work with uh, a lot of the different nationalities that were there to kind of finish my story a little bit. Five miles on the uh, uh, Kansas side of the state line, 635 is what kind of goes up there towards the airport. 435 on the Missouri side, five miles out, is where all our stadiums are for the Royals and for the Chiefs and everything. And I-70 that cuts through it. You take that 10 miles wide by five miles north, there are now 211 different language groups that live in that area. It's considered one of the most diverse places in the world. I've told people, I don't need to go overseas for missions. Missions has come to the area that I live in. But as I've traveled around and I've visited all the other uh, churches in Kansas City, I've been to over 200 churches. And, you know, I've looked at it and I said, so often church is just being church. Well, it's something we do on Sundays, but it's not something that really changes our lives. And that's the reason I say sometimes I think God is very frustrated with church because we've just come out of a season where he's done everything for us. Because of his death on the cross and his resurrection, we have hope that nobody can take away. The work's been done. And Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16, he says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your, against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. He says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope you've got inside of you. People ought to see that hope. This morning, I just want to give you four quick words that with that acrostic there of that hopefully will just stay with you to think about what God wants you to do in your life. The first H is for holiness. See, because everything starts there. It starts with a relationship with the Lord. The writer of Hebrews says in verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 14, Make every effort to, be, to live in peace with everyone and to be holy, for without holiness no one will see the Lord. I don't know about you this morning. I don't know how holy you feel. So we go on that. We go on how holy we will feel or how holy sometimes Satan whispering in our mind will tell us, uh, you know, could God really love you? Could God really forgive you? I will guarantee you, those 160 people who made a decision yesterday, that Satan was already whispering the heart, it isn't going to last, it isn't going to make any difference. And some people will ask that. We did a lot of events like that, kind of reaching out to schools. We do character-based assemblies during the day, faith-based assemblies at night. They'd say, you know, you got 200 kids getting saved. Do you think it's going to last? I said, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, God's Word, and His church. That's not my job. I'm to do what I can and to put it into their lives, but I also know that I have no idea what the Holy Spirit's going to do because I know the journey I've taken in my life. I was raised 
in that holiness kind of society, really a pretty legalistic church. I don't know if anybody else was ever in a very legalistic church, but I mean, we were raised with this uh, checklist of things that uh, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't run around with the girls who do. I mean, we just, we checked everything. It seemed like every day of, of things that we would say in there. And sometimes we labeled that as holiness. Holiness is about a relationship with the Lord. Holiness is about standing before God, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. Holiness has nothing to do. It means I should strive that whenever the Holy Spirit tells me how I need to live, I need to listen to that and I need to do it. Because the man who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, that's what sin is. It's really simple. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, just respond, just do it. Holiness is all about a relationship. And to start out giving hope to anybody else, for them to be able to see what's going on in your life, to have a taste of the Lord, it's got to start out with a relationship. And he gives us his holiness. That's what he died on the cross for. That's what we celebrated last week about Easter. That's what we did yesterday. We gave him a taste. I don't know what will last out of it. It's not my job to know. But it's holiness in there. Second, the O. Opportunity. Paul writes in uh, Ephesians 5.15, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. See, as a church, for uh, the size of your church, it's incredible the impact that this church has had. You had Palm Sunday bring together. Then you did a Good Friday service of trying to bring different churches together to, to celebrate on Good Friday. Then you did an Easter egg hunt that had to get changed all at the last minute because of the weather and uh, suddenly get moved to the school and you've got to kind of make it like an Easter egg hunt and suddenly more people start coming because why? Everybody else is canceling their Easter egg hunt and they uh, see that there's one there that's going to be inside and their kids want to go. And you know what? Kids don't care how hard they have to look for an Easter egg. They just want candy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> life's simple. They just want candy. I like candy. Nothing wrong with it at all. And then you had Easter Sunday and then this week was Convoy of Hope. See, that's a lot of events, a lot of opportunities to impact people's lives. Yesterday, to impact 700 volunteers that came there to work together, and again, their comments were they'd never seen anything so organized. They knew where they were supposed to be. It worked well, ran well. But opportunity isn't an event. Opportunity is a person. So yesterday when we were cleaning up the park and we are getting ready to go and we are going to the storage shed and uh, Elijah and I are heading there, and he's driving the Penske, the rental truck, and I've got the pickup we'd rented. And we put the donut wall in there. And, I, and I'm thinking, you know, we didn't have any straps, and I'm thinking, it'll be okay. But every now and then, whenever we turn a certain direction, you kind of catch that wind, it would kind of lift just a little bit. And I was kind of thinking, okay, before we get on 995, we were coming down, I don't know, Allegheny, somewhere up there, just about to get on 95. I'm thinking, oh, man, I would hate for this thing to fly out. Uh, this could really be bad. I mean, you know, and suddenly, all, you, get, you ever get those thoughts in your mind, that's all you can imagine is the worst that's going to happen? And so I said, I'm going to stop and get some, uh, there's an auto zone right there. I told Elijah, I'm going to stop, get some straps. He went on down to the storage shed, and uh, I'm in there in line, taking a little while, and I'm frustrated with the time and everything because I'm just tired. I mean, I just, I want to just be done for the day and uh, uh, go home, uh, uh, go to bed, rest. And, uh, you know, as I'm waiting there in line, and then I go out, and I'm starting to, uh, tie down, uh, use the uh, tie downs to strap in the uh, donut wall. And then the guy comes over to me and, and he's kind of reaching over there to grab the tie down from the other side. And his name's Ron and he's talking to me. And, and uh, I said, you live here long? He says, nah. He says, I just came back in October. And 
He says, I'm a veteran. He says, I'm not doing good. Life's just been rough. And he begins just to tell me a little bit and how he comes there at AutoZone and does a little work around for them, clean up different things. Sometimes he'll clean people's windshields. Just does some things just to make a little extra money. And I felt like the Lord said to me, give him $20. I'm thinking, okay, I don't have a lot of cash, and I'm supposed to go buy these kids a present. But in those places where their their mother, uh, their grandmother, my mom said to be sure and get them a prize if they're good all week. Well, the truth is, it seems like they get a prize whether they're good or bad. You know how anybody else got grandkids? Eh, it's great. You know, Ashley always says, Dad, you act like you love my kids more than me. I said, man, I definitely love your kids more than you. I said, I'm sorry for all the confusion. I said, there's, there's no doubt. Grandkids are better than kids. If you haven't had them yet, someday you're going to find out. Grandkids are so much so much better than kids out there. That's, uh, that's for sure. Some people said, we should have had them first. I said, should have had them instead. That's, that's the way it should have been, man. It's just uh, it's great there. But as I'm talking to, and I uh, pull out the $20, I said, Ron, I want to give you $20 because I feel like the Lord wants me to. But I want you to make me a commitment here, if you would. Two things. He said, okay. I said, do you know of a church around here you ever go to? He says, well, yeah, sometimes there's this rock church that I've gone to. I said, would you go to church in the morning? I said, just because I think the Lord needs you to, uh, wants you to be surrounded by people and wants to put it into your life on a regular basis, and you're going to find that in church. You're going to find that of God's presence there and of people who will care about you. Same as if he put me in his path, he's going to put somebody else in his path. And I said, also, would you use this $20 for something good, get yourself something to eat, please don't spend it on something else. I said, I can't control that, I don't have anything. You know, that's a commitment between you and the Lord, but would you do that? And he said, yeah. So there, I said, I just want you to be blessed. And, you know, as I'm driving away, I thought, opportunity isn't an event, isn't a Convoy of Hope event. Opportunity is the next person God puts in your path. That's what opportunity is. God gives you opportunities all day long. sad part is many times we miss them. The P is for purpose. We were created for a purpose. See, we love this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We all love that verse. But back up four verses to a part that sometimes we never really read through the Bible. We just kind of pick out certain verses that we love, and we stake our claim to that. Man, God's got a hope and a future for me. In verse 7, it says, also, he's speaking this to the children of Israel being carried away into captivity. Jerusalem has fallen. It's going to be 70 years before they come back. The generations going away will never see Jerusalem again. He says, also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. He says, pray for the peace and the prosperity of your city. Philadelphia, that's where this church is located. That's your city. Some of you are here visiting the kids from other places. That's your city. My city is Kansas City. As I said, it's one of the most divided by so many things that are going on. We started getting pastors together there in 2010. And we had village fires going on and prayer meetings. And I was doing leadership coaching with pastors and church planters all across the city. And sometimes we would help uh, these some of the refugee congregations. There would be a few or somebody who would want to start a church. And we'd help them find a church building. And we'd talk churches that are kind of had closed down and abandoned. Man, let these churches use your church. Why let it stand here vacant or let them use it another time? You know, some people are so guardian of their church. You know, this is like some sacred place. As I said before, man, churches don't go to heaven. <laughs> you know, holy grounds wherever we walk. It's not a place. And getting them to put this together, and I said, you know, what can we do? 
And so we're having these prayer times, a lot of things going on. And I said, we need to do something in mission together. But you know, you ever try to get all these different denominations to agree on what's important? See, we loved to dress ourselves up in our own theology and, and uh, say we know more or we're better than somebody else some different way. God doesn't see us as that. I mean, God's got either the saved or the unsaved. He doesn't look at all, you know, denominations I say, you know, my wife wears a whole lot of different outfits. But she's still my wife and I love her. I don't much care what anybody calls, what name they want to put above the door or different things. That may excite you. It's like God. It's like Sam, are you really living out your purpose that he called you to? To the city that he called you to? And so I said, we kind of talked and we said, let's start reaching out to kids. We all like, cared about kids. And so we started reaching out in the school districts. We started out with one school. And we went to the principal and just, what are your goals? What can we do? How can we help? Our ministry is called 411 Impact, the 411 for those who are old in the room. Uh, where's Kira at? Kira, who thinks I'm way old in here. Uh, you know, uh, you know, thought I was born like in the 1920s or something like that in there. One night, I don't know where I'm eating. I'm like, so much I teach this girl math. Okay, I can't be quite that old in there. Different things. But we we started getting together and we started just saying, how can we help? And out of that one school, it just kept growing. And pretty soon, now six years later, it's 124 schools that we've been in. Eight school districts, the eight school districts, all the Title I schools, the one that have kids in that at least 50% free and reduced lunch. Many of them are 85, 90, 95%, as I say, much like the area we were in yesterday. I'm totally comfortable in that area. I didn't pastor in that area, but where we reach out to and what we're doing is in that area. We started community partnerships, city faith partnerships. We started supplying chaplaincy to the fire department, the police department, to city hall, for the different uh, communities around there. Because you know what? The church needs to be seen as somebody who's going to help. Sometimes we're seen as somebody who divides. You know, it's like we're always angry at somebody or we're upset at somebody or, or we don't agree with this. Man, I wish the church would just be the church that Christ intended it to be. And let God's word speak for itself and let God's spirit speak through you, who you are. We have so many opinions that do such damage <laughs> to the message of Christ. It's not just a one-time event. We can't just act like a church at one event on Convoy of Hope. We were created for a purpose, to love Christ each and every day. And the last E there, quick, is encourage. Encourage means just to put in courage into someone, just to build somebody up. See, I saw volunteers doing that, and it was funny, because I'm walking around, I don't have a shirt on. I'm walking around with my grandkids, and Caden's with us yesterday. And so everybody thinks, well, they've come to the event. And it was neat. I, I jokingly told somebody later, I said, yeah, I got saved six times just walking from the entrance down to the kids' zone, you know. And you know what? It was great because everybody wanted to talk to me, wanted to share with me different things. And, and, you know, are you from the area or different things? And I wanted to have a shirt. Uh, my daughter made me come here to watch the kids for the week so she could do Convoy of Hope, okay? <laughs> Don't ask me again. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But what I thought was, but people cared, friendly. But you know what, it can't just happen then. What, what about every week, whenever we're doing something, we're out with people, we're meeting people. See, people uh, come from uh, a lot of different uh, social networks. I know the church here advertises a lot of different things. And sometimes we say social networks, we say, well, there's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, my wife loves Pinterest, Snapchat. Uh, I've got a Facebook page because my daughter set one up and rather than have her put something up or different things. I'm really not socially connected like that uh, because Jesus laid out social networks 
uh, 2,000 years ago. He said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. You know, he identified four geographical reasons, areas, that they were going to be witnesses to. And I said, really what those four people uh, areas are, Jerusalem was the people I know and love. Judea is people I know. They look like me, they act like me, they think like me. Samaria is people I really don't want to know. Boy, that sounds harsh and terrible, doesn't it? But people are that way. I mean, there's some people I really am not comfortable in and I'm not sure I want to go there. You know, it's amazing where God has taken me in the last 10 years from where I had always been. And the last one is people I don't know yet. Those four different social networks in there that God's called me to. See, God wants us to give everybody a little taste of hope. Taste and see. Does anybody ever go to Sam's Club on Saturday morning with your wife near the shop? Have you ever seen all the little stations they have set up with food? I love to taste and see. But it's like, I don't want to taste and see and then buy something so much. I just want to keep coming back and taste and see. I like that one. So it's like I need to take five different shirts so I can just keep coming back looking different every time and just get a little bit more. I wonder what people taste and see in your life whenever they're around you. Do they get a taste of the Lord? See, or do they see anger? Do they see frustration? Would they even know that you went to church this Sunday? Would they even know you were involved in a Convoy of Hope event? If not, then I want you to know God's not mad, but he's frustrated because he's done all the work and he's put you in the path of somebody whose life needs to be changed and you're not doing anything about it. Why are people walking around out there without hope? It's because we don't share it. We don't do what we're called to do. See, and God didn't expect us to have to put on a shirt that says Convoy of Hope or put on a shirt that says some Christian phrase or put some bumper sticker on our car. That's again old, Kira, back in the days when people put bumper stickers on their car. That What would Jesus do? You know what he expected? It's just for us to be faithful. Everywhere we go, where we go to school, we go to work, we're driving around, we stop at some store. Just be God's presence there. Everywhere we step should be holy ground. I don't care if you've had a good day or a bad day. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and what he's saying to you. See, one of the greatest stories is a parable of the Good Samaritan. And I know I've got to go fast. And I'm sorry, Elijah. The Good Samaritan uh, here. Everybody's going to have to stay around and help clean up because I've put us about five minutes late. I'm sorry about that, buddy. I know you have to be out of here at a certain time. Uh, but the story of the Good Samaritan is the guy who got beat up and robbed. What it started with an expert in the law who wanted to trick Jesus, and he says, well, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And he says, well, how do you read it? And the guy says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, do that and you'll live. And then the guy, being a lawyer, has to say, to justify himself, he says, well, who's my neighbor? Again, who? where's that line out of the people I can love and who I don't want to love? Jesus says, let me tell you a story. There was this guy that was going down the road to Jericho, and he gets robbed, mugged. He's left there half dead. The priest comes by, sees him, moves the other side of the road because he's on his way to the temple. He couldn't afford to defile himself. It would mess up his schedule and everybody else's. He'd have to wait seven days. The Levite comes by the same way. They're a little too religious to do it. And the Samaritan's coming down the road and the Samaritan sees him. And see, hope takes action steps. Hope does something. See, they went the other way. 
I want to read to you 12 things right quick, actions that happened this Good Samaritan did. It says he saw him, he took pity on him, he went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he poured oil and wine on them, he put the man on his donkey, he took him to an inn, he took care of him, he took out two silver coins, he gave them to the innkeeper, he said, I will return and I'll reimburse you anything more that you need to the innkeeper. See, hope has to have action steps. What you all did, the work and everything like that, that's action steps. I believe all of heaven was standing up and applauding today, and especially when there were those 160 people, because it saw them one at a time as they came through, of lives that were changed, of people who reached out to hope and said, I've made a mess of my life, I need a change. They probably don't know if they can really live it or not. But we need to pray for those 160. You want to make, maybe you're struggling with what to pray for in your prayer life, pray for those 160 people. You don't even have to know their names. Just pray for them this week. Just as the Holy Spirit watch over them, just guide and protect. But here's what I want to do to conclude this morning. I want you to stand. I'm facing north. Okay? I think I am pretty close. Anyway. That's east. Okay, the river. That's west. That's south. Here's what I want you to do. Off of that compass, I want you to turn to the direction you live. I want you to face what would be your house. If you're southwest, southeast, northeast, northwest, go ahead, turn and face. Now, I was kidding Kelly in the first service. She was doing a dance step up here, and I was like, just turn anywhere you want. I don't know where you live anyway, so it's not like I'm, you're going to fool me. But where do you live at? See, that's the direction you're going to go today after this service. And I wonder who God's going to put in your path this week or put in the way of where you uh, are going to go to work or you're going to go to school at. I want you to just pray, God, would you direct my path? See, in his heart, a man plans his course. But it's God who directs his path. He will guide your steps just as mine, seeing an auto zone and saying, I need to strap this down because there's a guy, Ron, there that needs to be encouraged. I need to take advantage of that opportunity. Heavenly Father, I ask that you bless this church. Lord, just give them rest and refresh this week. I know they're tired. Man, thank you for all the hard work. Lord, just uh, I can imagine as I was impressed how impressed you were. Seeing people who were faithful and using all their gifts and talents to your glory. Lord, would you bless now this week, because this week, we're a convoy of hope. Everywhere we're going around this city, Lord, you want to use us. You want people to be able to see the change in our lives, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, bless in everything they do. It's in your name that we pray, trusting you to be the lead, leader of every one of our steps. Truly make your face shine upon all they're doing. Bless this church. Continue to draw people in. Continue to send people out. It's in your name we pray. Amen. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.